Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. You're listening to C103's Cork Today podcast. Phone and text lines are currently closed. As we kick off our June bank holiday weekend and certainly the weather forecast for this weekend is absolutely glorious and we're trying to keep everyone as safe as possible this weekend. That's why even when the weather forecast when I'm mentioning the UV index make sure you put on sunscreen when you're going out and about later on in the programme we will be talking about water safety and how to say stay safe this weekend but one thing that I always um, find is probably the best piece of advice you can give to anyone. If you go to some place new, chat to local people about where is it safe to swim where is it not safe uh, to swim because you can't beat local knowledge so I was delighted to see Michael uh, down in Castletown there Michael O'Sullivan sending in a text bright and early this morning to say what beautiful weather we have especially for the bank holiday weekend but a little bit of beware for holiday makers he said particularly those that love to swim in the sea they, everyone should be aware of tomorrow night's full moon uh, which means we're going to have very high tides and high tides that can lead to rip currents which are highly dangerous. Furthermore uh, Michael says we'll have very big strands and people shouldn't venture walking out too far as they can get caught very quickly with an incoming uh, tide. Tides can be very precarious and extremely dangerous this weekend with the full moon and that stays in place for three days afterwards. Everybody enjoy the holiday and the beautiful weather and he's saying especially those that will be coming to the beautiful Bera Peninsula. So that's local knowledge and a man in the know. So please be extremely uh, careful. Thank you for that, Michael, to 0862 103 103. And obviously, Bank Holiday weekend, airports are going to be very busy this weekend. For a lot of people, they'll go away either for the weekend or they might go away for the full week. Again, I'm seeing out of Dublin Airport, they have a huge, huge problem with uh, parking. And they are, if you haven't got your park, car park spaces booked then don't bring the car with you because there's going to be no place for you to park your car so many people will be heading overseas and the Irish Daily Mail uh, today have an interesting piece that caught my eye and it's to do with the cost of holidaying in Ireland versus the cost of going uh, abroad and it's hotel costs in this country that are actually driving more holiday makers to change their minds, people who were thinking of a staycation and when they look up the cost of hotels in a particular area that they want to stay in, they decide, no, it'll be cheaper to go uh, abroad. Myhome.ie have also brought out a survey and of the people they surveyed, 63% of people believe holidaying overseas represents better value 
than holidaying here in Ireland. Cost of living concerns um, are making holidaymakers vote with their wallets with only a third of the people who were surveyed saying these are the people surveyed who are going to have one main holiday this year. Only a third of those surveyed says yes, that they're going to or they are planning on staying in Ireland and having a staycation. Around three quarters believe hotel and even holiday home prices in Ireland are much more expensive compared to, say, what they would have spent on previous years. And Paul Hackett is the president of the Irish Travel Agents Association and he's quoted in the papers as saying he wasn't shocked at all with the survey results. He said not only in cost of buying the holiday but also he said your costs and expenses at your destination uh, they are substantially reduced if you go uh, abroad. He said there are flights and accommodation offers for as little as €500 Euro, and he said you can get that for seven nights per person uh, sharing and it does include your flights. He said if you're going down to Killarney or out to the west of Ireland, he said you could be looking on average anywhere between 200 and 250 euro a night and that's just for your room. So he said that adds up to 1,400 euro spent on a seven night holiday before you've even put your hand in your pocket for food and uh, drinks. And Paul Hackett of the Travel Agents Association said the Irish tourism in industry is really hamstrung and he said the problem is the supply issue in hotels. Ireland as a destination, he said, is being hit by the lack of available rooms. Now we all know 30% of hotel stock at the moment is housing refugees and people fleeing the war in Ukraine. So he said if you pull 30% of all the supply in your industry, what happens is the prices for the other 70% of rooms are all going to increase. He said the reality is that seven nights abroad is cheaper than seven nights in Ireland, hands down. Now, the travel expert Owen Corrie was also interviewed by the Irish Daily Mail and uh, he said that both the cost of hotels as well as the bottle of wine and dinner are massively different in Ireland if you compare it to Southern Europe. However, he said holidays are a many-headed beast, adding that many people do not factor in travel costs when analysing the best deal for their getaway. He said there's no doubt you can go to Southern Europe and have a meal out for a fraction of the price. You might even pay 60% less on a meal with a bottle of wine thrown in than you what pay when than what you'd pay for here at home. If you're in a hotel, it is a lot cheaper than in most European cities, especially just looking at supply and demand. But he says he did point out that the cost of flying that was starting to creep up, and he said you do have to factor that in. But he did point out that facilities around Ireland for lower priced holidays have come on in leaps and bounds. He said, for example, if you're looking at a camping holiday, there are proper facilities. You can actually holiday very reasonably in Ireland. So if you want to do it on a budget, do your research. And Owen Corrie, the travel expert, says there is bargains to be had. But he did say if, if it's the luxury you're looking for and you do want to stay in a hotel, then hotel prices are an issue. He said they are now about the European average. There is now an increased demand, especially coming from the US. That's obviously to do with the strength of the dollar. So the Americans are buying up a lot of the hotel beds. But he said there's also a reduced supply issue. He said what we really need more of is more hotels and we need them sooner rather than later. And remember late last year, I was speaking about Falta Ireland 
they were raising concerns at the back end of last year about the impact on tourism due to the housing of so many Ukrainian refugees in our hotel. And there was an Oireachtas Tour- Tourism Committee meeting where Fault Ireland, Paul Kelly, their CEO, spoke. And back at the back end of last year, he was urging hotels to keep their rates as low as they could and not to be seen to be price gouging. He said the reputational damage of high pricing on small rooms is simply not worth the extra revenue that that hotel will generate. He said, we know from bitter experience, if Ireland's reputation as a good value destination is damaged, it can take absolutely years uh, to uh, recover. So I don't think a lot of people will be surprised with that particular uh, article making the Irish Daily Mail today, because certainly we've heard from some of our uh, listeners when they've tried to book accommodation and even accommodation in Dublin has gone ridiculously overpriced and if there's any kind of a concert on or if there's any kind of a sporting event on where somebody wants to travel from anywhere around the country and you want to go to the gig or you want to go to the match and you want to stay overnight all of the hotel prices just shoot up in price and people are always giving out about it and people talk about the price gouging. The hotels in Dublin will defend it saying, oh, it's the cost of doing business. Uh, But certainly even on some of the more popular tourist destinations, uh, we've certainly heard from listeners who said they tried to book a hotel for a couple of nights away. Couldn't believe how expensive uh, it was. And I thought it was interesting to note from the survey that when people were asked about the price of a holiday in Ireland, be it in a hotel or in a holiday home, that they said the prices have gone up significantly from previous years. So people who maybe would have stayed, would have gone for a week's holiday in a particular hotel or stayed in in a particular holiday home. And when they went a couple of years later to look at booking again, they couldn't it over how much the price had gone up. So can you understand why people are deciding to go abroad rather than staying uh, in this country? And yet we've got this beautiful weather and there a hand on heart. I think there is no, no place nicer or better than to holiday and to spend time than Ireland when the sun is uh, shining. So it's a pity if it's because of cost, people are deciding to go away instead. 0818 103 103. A listener said to purchase a motorhome and then you've got accommodation sorted all year round and that's a good point because certainly the camping as Owen Kari, the travel expert said, you know, look at camping for example because we now have proper facilities whereas once upon a time we didn't have those good proper facilities for camping and for motorhomes but we certainly do now so that's a good suggestion on holidays staycations versus going abroad, what's the best value for money Hi Patricia, even before anything happened in Ukraine, holidays were always dearer in Ireland. For example, we go away every year for two weeks Could you imagine staying in Ireland for two weeks, the cost of it? And if you're eating out every night, that would work out very, very expensive indeed. And Jerry says, I think people are going abroad first and foremost because of cost. They are, they they feel they're getting better value uh, for money. But the tourists who are coming here, many of them will complain about the cost of holidaying in uh, Ireland and they're in for a major shock when they arrive this year. There's also higher transportation costs because fuel 
is increasing. Also, Jura says the amount of litter he feels is a real turnoff. He, do, he, he does the litter picking on beaches in East Cork regularly and he said the litter that's left behind on beaches is just way too much. Maybe, he said, we the Irish, maybe we're just a dirty race. And people might not, might not like me saying this, said Jura, but only for tidy towns groups and groups that go out and clean beaches, Ireland would be a lot uh, dirtier with litter everywhere. Also, Jura says we need more bins supplied by the councils and local authorities in our towns, our villages and near our beaches. But the problem with the bins, the council had put out lots of bins at one stage, but they were getting abused. People were dumping domestic rubbish into bins. It was one of the reasons that many bins were taken away. Uh, and of course, the, the downside to that is genuine people who just want to dump a bit of rubbish that they have in their hands suddenly don't have any bins uh, to put them in. But unfortunately, we have seen bins being abused. Thank you for your call, Ger, to 0818 103 103. Today is our final day to qualify to see Rod Stewart twice with C103. We've got tickets for Live in the Marquee on the 21st of this month and then Marbella next month on the 21st. The trip to Marbella includes your flights, four-night stay in a four-star luxury hotel in Marbella. There's dinner and drinks in a top restaurant. We're also throwing in some spending money and obviously the tickets for you to go see Rod Stewart in Marbella at some stage this morning. I will be playing yet another one of the many, many hits from Rod Stewart when I play it. You need to text or WhatsApp immediately 0862 103 103 and then stay by your phone because you might get a call to join me on air, answer a simple question about Rod Stewart and by doing that you'll go forward to the draw and the draw is going to be held this afternoon with Nick after three o'clock. So listen out for your Rod Stewart track and your chance to win to see Rod Stewart twice with C103. And you can contact us via via the C103 app if you don't already have our app downloaded now from the App Store. Court today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group for motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. CMIG.ie. Now, one of the key proposals from a recent report from the Tobacco 21 Alliance called for increasing the age of tobacco and e-cigarettes from 18 years of age to 21. Fine Gael Health Minister Deputy Colin Burke says the government should give this proposal serious consideration and Deputy Colin Burke uh, joins me. Good morning to you, Colin. Good morning, Patricia. Uh, and you're welcome. Why do you believe raising the age to uh, 21 for nicotine products, why do you believe that's so important? Well, we've set out on the HST Tobacco Free Ireland strategy was to reduce the level of smoking below 5% by 2025. Um, we're nowhere near that figure. Um, currently, I think even the CSO figures uh, would clearly indicate that we're we're still talking around 18% of people um, smoking. That's about one in five people. What's interesting as well is that um, the age group 23 to 20, uh, 23 to 34 the, that age group, 24% of that age group are smoking. And, you know, there's, I suppose, the issue in relation to smoking is about at the current um, time, over 4,500 people die every year in Ireland as a result directly related to smoking uh, in their earlier years. And I think it's a huge challenge now that we need to, to take on and we need to be decisive about how we deal with it. The new bill that was published um, in the last few days 
is um, making major changes as regards not only cigarettes but also nicotine products like um, vapes. So I think that's welcome. But I believe, and that's putting in an age limit there of 18, I believe that it should be 21, and I think it's something that we should be working towards. It's it's actually interesting in some countries now, for instance, I think in New Zealand, tobacco products cannot be sold to an individual if they're born after a certain date. Yeah. So they're working on the date of birth of the person. So if you were, um, you go back 21 years from, say, today, then you can't you can't be sold any tobacco products from that particular date, you know. But has it worked in other countries in that has it reduced the prevalence of smoking? Well, in some cases in the United States, for instance, um, they have in some of the states in the United States, twenty one is the age limit in some of the states, and it is um, they have uh, identified research shows that in fact it reduced smoking levels by about one third. Um, and I think that's a, it's a, it's a real, so the evidence is there and I believe that we need to be very much proactive on this issue. We have a lot of catching up to do. You know, the target was 5% by 2025. We're only, you know, we're, we're nowhere near that. But we already have teenagers smoking when technically it is illegal for them. They shouldn't be able to buy cigarettes until they're 18 there's yep. ways around. If somebody wants to smoke, they'll get their hands on cigarettes. Absolutely. And I suppose the whole market in relation to um, cigarettes is, it does a huge illegal market there as well. But just on children, I mean, it shows that uh, a European schools project showed that 14.4% of 15 to 16 year olds were smoking and about over 15% of um, uh 15 to 16, uh, sorry, over 14.4% um, were smoking. And the other issue is that, you know, the illegal uh, tobacco market, you know, cigarettes being imported legally um, is huge. And, and the interesting figure is that during COVID, the actual sale of cigarettes went away up in Ireland. And part of that reason was because we, you know, people traveling abroad, coming back, buying um, cigarettes for themselves, uh, and duty free are um, declined. Uh, was, yeah, 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 that yeah. declined. Therefore, yeah. the the actual there was a huge jump in sales in the period during COVID, and I think it's well, you know, it's it's amazing in some countries how they have reduced down um, the amount you can bring in with you, and also it's interesting. And in, I think one of doesn't uh, Finland or Sweden they brought in um, a requirement that you can only bring in tobacco products if the warning signs are in the language of the country. So, for instance, if we decided that you could only bring in cigarettes from Spain if it's both in English and Irish, uh, I think you'd you'd have a big change as regards what would then come in. Yeah, and of course we know if we can deter young people from taking up smoking at 18, better still at 21, we know the research is there. They won't then go on as adults to start smoking. No, and I think the other issue that's, need, you know, the whole issue about vaping now is challenging as well, and that, like, it does attract people into smoking, and you find that people will say, well, you know, we shouldn't be putting on the same restrictions on vaping. The evidence is there that, in fact, vaping, nicotine, um, there is a direct connection as regards cancer as well. So I think it's important. But it's also leading to young people taking up smoking. Absolutely, and yeah. in fact, the research shows that. So I think we've, and this is about health, it's about, um, you know, I, I don't think anyone wants to be, you know, a 
at any stage in the sense of dictating what people can and cannot do. But remember, the tobacco industry has been very much able to um, market and give the impression, and you go back, you know, we go back to the to the 1960s when the chief medical officer in the US uh, set out that smoking was a danger to health, yet it took us nearly 40 years to react to that because the tobacco industry controlled uh, so much of um, policy. And I think that's the big change that we need to get now. We need to make sure that it is, you know, that we get the message out there, that we put in place the safeguards and that we encourage people not to take up smoking or not to take up vaping. And why, why do you think we have a, we, the, the decline in smoking has stalled? It's, it's actually even reversed, I think, slightly in this country. It has, yeah. I think it's, it's a number of issues. Um, you know, in fairness, it is very difficult for anyone who has started smoking. And I think we have to be uh, recognised that, that there's a lot of people who want to move away from smoking. But it's extremely addictive. Uh, it's, it, sorry, it's, a, it's an addictive, um, it, it, and it's difficult to to get off smoking. I I just know quite a number of people who have tried and tried and found it extremely difficult to move away from it. And I think it, it is uh, it is a problem. But I think one of the things that we've got to make sure is that the you know the people now younger people don't get addicted uh, to it and don't even start. So I think that's the one yeah. that we need to work on. Yeah, I think yeah. the other thing as well, one of the issues that I know just so, uh, socially now is that I find a lot more girls smoking than boys and that's one of the issues that I, I notice out um, quite a bit which I'm surprised at but it's one of the things that's happening as well. Yeah and, and you'd be worried about it. I was doing some research on this yesterday particularly on this notion of this country becoming smoke free and as you say we had hoped to do it by uh, 2025 but seemingly Sweden now is possibly going to be one of the first countries to declare itself uh, smoke free. They're almost at 5% of uh, daily smokers and yep. when I looked into Sweden like 20 years ago they had 20% of people smoking. So, you know, they can do it. It can be achieved in this country. It can, but it's important that, you know, we keep setting the message this is a health issue. It's about you're putting your health in, in danger. If you look at the number of people that end up in in uh, getting treatment for cancer or for other respiratory problems, uh, it's directly connected um, to smoking. And the other issue as well is that even people who are not smoking, if they're in a house where there's constant smoking in it, they can get affected long term as well. And I think a lot of people don't realise that. Um, and it's something that we need uh, to focus on. The other issue that we need to focus on as well is that there is um, there is an issue in relation to socioeconomic groups that we need to do a lot more support um, to people who, say, for instance, um, who are in the lower socio-economic bracket as regards assisting them in in in, in moving away from smoking as well. And I think it's something that we need to work on as well. OK. All right, we leave it there, uh, Columnist, and thank you for that. Uh, enjoy your bank holiday weekend. Okay. And thanks, uh, thanks for joining us. Bye-bye. Okay, that bye, is bye. Uh, Fine Gael, a spokesperson on health.
Deputy Colm Burke. Would you agree uh, with uh, Colm and one of the proposals from the Tobacco 21 uh, Alliance that we should limit the sale of cigarettes and all tobacco products, raise the age limit to 21 from 18? Would it make a difference, bearing in mind there has already been a slight rise in the number of teenagers taking up smoking and the, you know, the numbers of teenagers taking up smoking, they shouldn't be smoking because at the moment it's illegal for an 18-year-old to buy cigarettes but they're finding ways around getting their hands on those cigarettes. Water Safety Ireland, the Irish Coast Guard and the RNLI, they've all come together to issue a special safety message urging people intent on swimming or engaging in water sports to adhere to strict safety guidelines. Joining me with words of advice is Roger Sweeney of uh, Water Safety Ireland. Good morning to you, Roger. Well, Patricia, beautiful day. It's absolutely uh, glorious and by all accounts it's going to last as well. Certainly we're in for a scorcher of of a weekend. But Mm. that beautiful weather and we've had nice warm weather all week. The water, Roger, is still very cold. I think a lot of people, they, they haven't dipped a toe in the water yet, Patricia, all year round. You know, some people will be well used to the swimming pool and, and so on, you know, but you're dealing with temperatures in the high 20s. They're lovely conditions, but most people, most people haven't yet taken a swim. So this today and this weekend now, the bank holiday, that's, that's when they'll start to dip the toes. And we're asking people to take a dip rather than this extended swim, especially if it's, if they're not acclimatised, Patricia, because uh, as you've rightly pointed out there, the water is still very much cold and anything under 15 degrees really can start to induce hypothermia. Um, and, you know, people might say, oh, well, you know, I'm well used to it. I'm a competent swimmer in the pool. I, I, of course, I'll be fine. Um, but really, the problems happen when people go to outdoor areas rather than the swimming pool where they might be able to do a few laps. But when they get into cooler water, the muscles start to cool, Patricia, and the water won't cool, won't warm up for uh, quite some time yet. So just bear that in mind that you might be competent in the pool, but when you're outside and you have currents to deal with um, and cooler water, uh, you need warm muscles to stay afloat yeah. and to swim. So uh, is, sometimes the current can take you away even just a little bit and that can make it more difficult. Yeah, to and I have to say, I'm not great with anything cold. Is the best way to ease into the water? Is that the best way to do Absolutely. it? Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Don't, don't Sorry, just Patricia. Di- yeah, don't, that's what you, yeah, don't just dive in. No, no, definitely not. Definitely not. Because, you know, if you if you dive in like that suddenly when you arrive, you know, a lot of people get excited and rightly so they get excited when you get to a beach and so on or even to a pier. But the, it's 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 quite dangerous, actually, to jump in because some some of your listeners may not have heard of what what's termed cold shock and, and uh, jumping into cold water. Uh, that can induce cold shock. And that's where, you know, you start to have this uncontrollable rapid breathing. Some people might even recall getting this, you know, and there'll be a certain amount of panic, but it does increase your heart rate and blood pressure and all that initial gasping can lead to difficulties. And there have been drownings related to cold shock in the past. So just, as you say, get in slowly, acclimatise yourself. You know, you're splashing water on the back of the neck, for example. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's kind of humorous sometimes when, when people start to enter the water to begin with. But actually, you know what, there's something good in that if you just take your time and have a bit of a laugh with friends getting in. But uh, when you're in, then stay within your depth and swim within your depth. And we're asking people, especially after COVID, to try and, you know, come back to where others are present. And that, what I mean by that is come back to the lifeguarded waterways around the country. Now, not everybody can get to a lifeguarded waterway, but if you can make just an extra effort, 
um, get to it because a lot of people found places that they wouldn't have been used to to swim during COVID and they you know they got used to that trying to social distance and all that but really there's a reason we ask people to swim at lifeguarded waterways because last year the lifeguards rescued nearly 600 people 583 if you need to be specific but about 600 people uh, at risk of drowning at the lifeguarded waterways and they gave first aid over six and a half thousand times um, so there's good reason we ask people to let the lifeguards be there, you know, for you yeah, and your family. And, you and know. I know only yesterday I was calling out the fact that Cork County Council, they're launching their lifeguards. It's actually this weekend. Uh, it's for, for mm. this uh, uh, summer season. And we have a lot of, we're, we're blessed here in Cork, we have a lot of beaches that will have lifeguards mm. on duty. You have. And you know, what, if there's, there's one thing, though, that comes to mind when you mention that. And that's children, because the lifeguards will tell you this anyway, if you were talking to them. A lot of people seem to have a habit to bring their children to the beach and then let them run around because they have because the lifeguards are there, you know. So they know that people need to swim between the flags, but it still doesn't mean that you should take your eye off the children that are in your care. And last year, the lifeguards around the country, they had to reunite 600 lost children that were found wandering, unaccompanied with no adult supervision at all, right beside bodies of water where they could get into difficulty. It only takes inches of water for That's people, all. children, young children to get into difficulty. So, you know, don't treat the lifeguards as a babysitting service. Don't leave them beside the, the children beside the lifeguard hut and just wander off to the ATM or get ice cream. You know, the children that are in your care are in your care. And what they need when we say supervision is constant, uninterrupted adult supervision. That's what you need to make sure of. And don't bring those inflatable toys to the water either, either Patricia. You know, that's, yeah, that's and an I, important and I think, piece. Yeah, I think with the inflatable toys, you're right just don't bring them because if you have them on the beach then the children are going to want to put them into into the water Absolutely, absolutely because you know there's a couple of no-nos and that's and, and, and that's that's a basic that's a basic now just stay this year just say to yourself, I'm not going to bring those inflatable toys to open water because we have instances every year and the lifeguards are driven demented trying to get people to stop using them. Because not only that, you, you have the offshore breezes, but you also have currents as well. And sometimes, you know, you have rip currents as well. That's actually why sometimes your listeners might arrive to a lifeguarded waterway and the next day they see that the flags have moved down the beach. That's typically because um, the lifeguard and they're trained to spot a rip current. And if they spot a rip current, sometimes the rip currents move along the beach over a period of days. So that's why the lifeguard flags can move from one area to another. But basically put that into your head. If you're listening now and you have um, teenagers, especially teenage um, kids and so on, if they're all going en masse now to a waterway and, you know, since COVID now, uh, those kids are a little bit older. So there's a tendency for the 15, 16 year old now to uh, get together in groups and, 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 and get to a beach, have a conversation with them, talk to them about not using inflatable toys as well, but also rip currents. Because what happens a lot of the time is people get to a beach and they see a lovely, uh, you know, they, the waves are lapping on shore. And uh, then they just notice that there's, there's an area that doesn't seem to have this the, the, these waves coming on shore. And they think, oh, my, that, that looks a little bit calmer. We might go there. But what's actually happening there is that the water that comes into shore, of course, it has to go back out. And the reason the waves are forming anyway is because the water is coming over an elevated sandbank along the beach. But the water has carved a little channel, Patricia, to get back out to, sh- to, to, to sea. So that channel is called a rip current. Mm. So the rip current 
all the water goes out through that channel. So if you go in above your knees, okay, you might you'll, you you could start to feel a, a pull. And then if you start swimming above uh, over uh, beyond your depth, that's why we always say stay within your depth. The rip current will very easily take you out. And what happens then? And we're asking people, please, you know, don't panic. It's easy to say, uh, but if you're in a situation where you're being taken away from shore and you start to swim towards shore and you're getting nowhere, of course that's going to induce panic. But you know, there's a calmness that comes from knowing what, uh, the following. And that is, if you get caught in a rip current, don't swim towards shore, okay? If you're exhausted, start to float first of all, and then start to swim parallel. It only takes a short distance. That, that channel is quite narrow, that channel of water. So if you swim parallel to the shore at a slight angle towards shore, you'll break the grip of that rip very quickly and you'll, you'll, and you'll find yourself getting back yeah. very easily. And I know one of our listeners mm. down in, on the beautiful Bear Peninsula, Michael, earlier on in advance of, of me, uh, when he knew I was going to be talking about water safety mm. today, he was making the point that we have a full moon on tomorrow's Saturday and that makes tides uh, very high and it, and it also causes rip currents uh, which can be very dangerous and people need to be aware of that there's a full moon yeah do you know what I'd, I'd love to know what his experience of that was because this happens regularly every full moon if I was a betting man now I'd say people will get into difficulty over the weekend and do you know why because everybody knows that a full moon or you know it's common knowledge that, 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 that a full moon will cause this higher tide and of course that can lead to stronger rip currents for example what we just spoke about but what sometimes people forget about is that they also cause a lower low tide so people are used to now um, the, the typical low tide that they have. That'll be even lower now on Saturday evening, at the full moon Saturday night. So over the weekend, over the entire weekend, the, the, lower t- the low tide will be even lower. That tempts people, especially if you're on holidays or visiting family. You know, you, you're out there with children. You will start to go out and you'll start to investigate maybe um, areas where there might be seashells and so on, a little bit further than the what you're used to seeing. So there'll be areas you may not have explored before. The children are curious. Out they go. What they don't realise is that they're on a slight undulation, just an elevated sl- sandbank that you don't even realise is slightly elevated. And before you know it, you look left, you look right. And the water at an incoming tide, because an incoming tide comes in quite quickly, it can surround and it surrounds people and it it happens regularly. And that's when people can get into difficulty. And we're right back to where we started, Patricia, in terms of the cold water. Because if you're out of your depth trying to get back, you've got the currents, you've got the colder water cooling your muscles. That's when you can get into difficulty. So whatever you do, if you're out on those walks, it's not just swimmers that that are at risk. You're out on a walk, bring a mobile phone in case such a scenario unfolds because you might see somebody else uh, or children getting into difficulty so that you're able to make that call and call for the Coast Guard. Yeah, and, that, and that's funny. That's exactly the add-on point that Michael made in, in his text about the high tide. Uh, he was saying that you get the big strands and people start to venture uh, walking out too far before they know they get caught with an incoming uh, tide. So uh, he's a man with local knowledge and I'm always saying that if you're new to an area, speak to a local person, they'll know the area so well. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, there's two factors in all drownings in Ireland, right? There's two factors in all sorts of incidents, all sorts of emergencies. Basically, it comes down to two things. People overestimate their ability or they underestimate the risk. And especially on a lovely bank holiday with warm weather. And as I say, you know, at the start there, people haven't dipped a toe in the water yet in general. So don't think that you are the competent swimmer 
that you may be in pools. Okay. Don't think that you're, All right. you're going and, to and have that level of ability in cold water. Very finally, Roger, I saw the ESB pleading for people not to swim in reservoirs. You'd agree with that as well? Oh, absolutely. And if you could add on quarries there, look, have a conversation. If you're living near a quarry, talk to the teenagers, talk to the kids and tell them they're lethal. They have jagged Keep edges. It's very easy sometimes for people to arrive and jump in. Uh, but is it, but it's nearly impossible sometimes to get out again. You know, so make sure wherever you're swimming that it's not a reservoir, it's not a quarry. And wherever you do swim, swim within your depth and make sure that you know where you can get out in case you're caught by a current. OK, and use the lifeguarded beaches. We leave it there, Roger. Pleasure as always. Thank you for that and have a lovely weekend. Thanks, Patricia. Thanks for joining you us. That is bye-bye. Roger bye. Sweeney of uh, Water Safety. Let me take a look at some of your commentary which has come into the programme this morning. We've been talking about holidays and the cost of uh, holidays and how people get on when they come to this uh, country. And someone was was talking about, you know, the beaches and sometimes our beaches can be dirty and that's not a great image to portray to tourists or indeed uh, to people who are our own staycationers and people who are just locally visiting. Nobody wants to see a dirty beach. But Eileen and Clonakilty was on to us. She said, with all the talk about tourism, she met up with some French tourists yesterday. She said, now, they got chatting. They said they were having a fantastic time in Clonakilty. But they'd gone to visit Long Strand. And if you know West Cork, Long Strand, beautiful, beautiful beach and glorious beach uh, to walk on. And they said they were really enjoying it. But then one of them needed to use the loo. And they discovered there are no toilets available on Long Strand Island said they've been closed for years. She said, we have these fantastic beaches all over uh, Cork County, but we simply don't have the facilities at all of the beaches for the public. You can't expect families to go and spend a day at the beach without having toilets available for use. And she said that's just one example in Longstrand. She said last year, uh, Eileen spent time in County Clare and she said the majority of the beaches that she visited in County Clare had brilliant toilet facilities. We need to do something about toilet facilities on our Cork beaches, says Eileen in Clam. 0818 and of course, I kicked off the conversation this morning based on the cost of holidaying in Ireland versus going abroad. Pat in from Oi said years ago, there used to be high season and low season for hotels. On the back door of the hotel, there would always be a price list. Do you ever see those anymore? Do you remember the price list used to be up and it used to be the cost of the room for high season and uh, low season. Pat reckons now we've three seasons. We have a high season, we have a low season and he's putting in a third that he's calling the rip off season. He also feels that hotels should set a price and it should be that price for the entire year and it shouldn't fluctuate just because there's a concert on or just because there's a sporting event uh, on. And he said hotels who have the 30% of hotels who've converted to taking refugees rather than taking in tourists, they're doing it because they are making money on it. Well, whatever we're making money on it, they're guaranteed to be 100% full all year round. And there's very few hotels can guarantee 100% bed occupancy. So I can understand why, particularly hotels in quieter areas, why they've opted to do it. 0818 103 103. Then we spoke about smoking and Colin Burke uh, joined us, the Fine Gael spokesperson on health. And he was talking about a need for us to look at raising the age in which you can buy cigarettes in this country. Currently, you've got to be over 18 to buy a packet of cigarettes or any tobacco product. He says we need to raise that to uh, 21. And he was talking about the number of people who buy cigarettes abroad and how there was a marked 
increase in cigarettes that were purchased in Ireland during COVID times and that's because people weren't going abroad. Uh, Somebody says, I love how they all are so concerned with stopping people buying cigarettes and bringing them in from the likes of Spain where they are much uh, cheaper. Uh, They... The reason that they're doing that is they want people to buy cigarettes at home. Why? Because of excise duty, they'll make money on those cigarettes. Just ban cigarettes fully and be done with it. This listener feels politicians don't care about people's health. It's all about the money they can make on excise duty. Bernice says, hi, Patricia, I would be all for changing the age limit of smoking and raising it to 21. I never smoked as a teenager, but Bernice actually took up cigarette smoking at 21, which I have to say, Bernice, is a little bit un- unusual. Uh, she's now uh, 44. She would dearly love to kick the habit. And it's, but keep trying, keep trying. As a former smoker, I can tell you, Bernice, you can get off them, but it does take more than one attempt, unfortunately, and go for whatever tool will help you to uh, give them up if the cold turkey isn't working. Somebody else says, well done to Deputy Cullen Burke. Everything he said was spot on. Years ago, when my son was uh, a baby until he was about six, my dad was living with us. Now, my dad at the time was a very heavy smoker. It sadly contributed to his death. My son was constantly getting chest infections when my dad was living with us. And sadly, after my dad died from smoking related illness, my child never had chest problems. So you can understand why I am totally against uh, smoking. I can for sure. And someone else says the new generation of smokers are now vaping. They're vaping before they would eventually take up smoking cigarettes, put the age limit up to over 21 Please try to save the youth of our country. Something needs to be done about it. 0818103103. John Paul taking your calls. Somebody's asking about petrol has gone up. In Formoy, somebody has spotted petrol in one of the garages at 169.90. It went from 158. It went up by 11 cent. How could it have gone up by that much? Somebody says, I'm on social welfare. There's no way I can afford that, said Alan in uh, Formoy. 11 cent is, is a big hike. OK, on petrol, it would have gone up by 6 cent and then five. the garage has put 5 cent onto it. I'm assuming it's the price that they bought the petrol in at. But that does seem expensive. And also, um, I'm interested because I've certainly the garage that I passed yesterday and I passed it again this morning and it still is at the same price as it was before the excise duty got got hiked yesterday. Because remember, the excise duty will only go on on garages that buy in petrol from yesterday. So the garage, uh, Alan, where you bought your petrol, or where you spotted the petrol going up, must have bought in their petrol either yesterday or today. But even allowing for the six cent on the excise duty, the five extra cent usually goes up a cent or two, but five cents seems a lot. But go talk to the garage. They'll tell you what they bought the petrol or the diesel in at. 0818 103 103. John Paul taking your calls. Text WhatsApp 0862 103 103. C103 Jobs. General Operative wanted for Newmarket. It's for cleaning, power washing and painting. You must be over 25 years of age, your own transport and a full driver's licence 087 7566524. Job vacancies on a North Cork building site, full and part-time work available. Call 086 The Hibernian Hotel in Mallow. They are currently looking to recruit a full-time kitchen assistant. They're also looking for a commie chef. You can email greg at xchef, E-X-E, xchef at hibernianhotel.com. 
and CE Scheme Employment is available in Milford, in Dromina and in Fremont. E- email Evelyn O'Keefe at dvalley.ie or you can contact your local intro office. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Court today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group for motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. CMIG.ie. A guard that based in Tralee County Kerry who was diagnosed with breast cancer last year has created a music video inspired by Elton John and it's released to coincide with 100k in 30 days. That's a special campaign for the Marie Keating Foundation to explain more. Garda Mary Gardner, who's originally from Bishopstown, so she's one of our own, uh, joins me. Good morning to you, Mary. Good morning, Patricia. How are you? I'm very, I'm very well. Now, firstly, you were one of the members of our Garda Shea Corner who lifted all of our moods with the Jerusalem video, weren't you? Is that where you got the idea from? I was indeed, yeah. Um, we did the Jerusalem video back during COVID, if people remember, and that's exactly what it was for, I suppose, to, to lift people's spirits and you know, I'll give a smile to people and, you know, the dark days, hopefully we put them behind us, thanks be to God. But I suppose it's just lightening people's moods and the, the dark times that we face then. Now, explain to us why you selected the song I'm Still Standing. This this is an important song for you. Yeah, I, I suppose, um, as you said, I was diagnosed myself with uh, breast cancer back in January of last year. Um, a, a bold from the blue, as I've said, and, and, a, and a shock. Uh, you know, anybody who is diagnosed with, with cancer, it, it's a fair shock for everybody. But that song, I'm Still Standing, I, I kind of played that song all year and it, it meant something to me, the the words in it. It has fierce meaning, I suppose, if you listen to it and just to show people that, you know, through everything, that I am still standing. And I suppose I, I decided to do a little video with that song with a, a few other ladies who have been also diagnosed with breast cancer and are going treatment at the moment for the 100k in 30 days. Well done, well done. And when you were diagnosed, were we we were still in the pandemic, were we? January yeah, I, I suppose, yeah, we were kind of just coming out of it. We had, COVID had been very prevalent that Christmas just before it as well and there was very high numbers uh, that January as well. So myself, when I was diet, when, when I found the, the lump myself, um, I was waiting a couple of days to go to the doctor and, you know, I was referred on to the, the breast care clinic in Cork. And, yeah, I suppose it was it was strange times. Um, it was just last year, so we were kind of coming out of it, you know, but at the same time, people were very cautious still. And you would have gone straight into chemotherapy, I take it, because everybody talks about, I mean, God, the shock when you get the diagnosis. Mm-hmm. But, you know, and people complain about the health system. But w- once you get, when you get a cancer diagnosis, the system kicks in really quickly, doesn't it? Oh, my God, I cannot absolutely say enough about the treatment that I've received. So I was diagnosed on the 14th of January in Cork and Professor Redmond Cork was my, my surgeon, absolute gentleman. Um, so I started my chemotherapy actually in Tralee on the 11th of February. You know, there's a lot of tests and scans, I suppose, in between your, when you're diagnosed and before you start. But uh, I did my chemotherapy, as I said, here in Tralee. And the girls over there, the nurses, my God, they're just angels on the earth without wings. They're fantastic. You know, chemotherapy is a very hard journey for anybody. But once you're in it, um, the support that you receive from people is second to none. And, you know, I'd say to anybody who's facing a battle, as they call it, or their own journey, just trust in the system because they're fantastic. I could not fault any, anybody, the radiotherapy in Cork. Um, the treatment that I received from everybody has been second to none. Fantastic altogether. 
And you did this um, this 100K in 30 days. You were going through treatment this time last year and, and you did that 100K last I year. I did. Well yeah, done. So, yeah, I finished my uh, chemotherapy actually on the 26th of May last year and I started the 100K in 30 days on the 1st of June. I finished my mileage, I suppose, on the the 26th of June and I had a mastectomy on the 27th of June. What a woman. So, what a woman. That's fantastic. <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's great. It's yeah, a, it's a and, great cause. Yeah, and that's the whole idea. You can do the 100k, break it up any way you want across the 30 days. 100%, yeah. So basically, it, 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 it is what it says. So it's 100k in 30 days. It, you know, it's about three kilometres a day or if you want to do a bit longer another day. It's a great excuse to get out, to get a bit of exercise, meet your friends, go for a walk but you're supporting a fantastic cause in the Mary Keating Foundation. Um, you know, last year, there were so many people took part. It's the fourth year going, and so far they've raised €4.5 million. Euro. Yeah. yeah, so it's the fourth year running. Um, you know, it's sponsored there by Sherry Fitzgerald, who've been on board every every year so far. And you, you'll see, if you see somebody in their 100K and 30 days T-shirt, um, I'd advise anyone to go on, register and do it yourself. And if you don't feel like the walking, if you know of anybody who is doing it, to donate them because the money is going to the Mary Keating Foundation this year, which, you know, is a service that it provides so much for people who are going through cancer, you know, their prevention or education and early detection uh, support services. And they also have survivorship services, which are so important to people. Yeah, because I think a lot of people associate and think of the Marie Keating Foundation as the mobile van that comes around and chats to people. Uh-huh. But I couldn't believe in advance of you coming on with me yesterday, I was taking a look. I couldn't believe at how they've expanded their support services. It's incredible now what they're, oh, what they're offering. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So they do like community nursing services. They also go to, they do schools cancer awareness programs. Uh, there's comfort funds there. As I said, the Survive and Thrive program, which is fantastic and helps so many people going through cancer. Yeah, yeah, they they really are fantastic. So you did it last year, and uh, did you manage to raise some money at the same time? Yeah, so I when I actually decided to do it, I was uh, finished my chemo as I said on that Friday, and it was a fashion night, Sunday night. I looked, I was looking through Facebook actually, and I saw this, and I said, oh, do you know, I think I might do this, and I logged on and. Two days later, there was four and a half grand in the pot. So I said, oh, God, I really am I going to have to do this now. <laughs> so I was like, oh, no, what have I done? But um, at the end of it, I raised 43,000 euro in the month. Whoa. So amazing. Yeah, it was fantastic. People were so, so good. And, you know, it gave me a lift. It also kept me busy for the month. So I didn't yeah. have to think about the surgery. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I finished on the Sunday. And I was in Cork the next day, so I, I was exhausted. I was like, "Jeepers, will they ever knock me out here and give me the surgery?" <laughs> I, was I need the so, rest. I need. I need. The I rest, need the... yeah. And come here a year on health-wise. How are you doing? Yeah, thanks to the God. So I finished my uh, treatment the end of February. My immunotherapy finished actually the end of February, and you know I've been back to oncologist and stuff since. So. Yeah, as the song says, I'm still standing well done. in a much, much better place. Thanks to everybody. Are you you're not back at work yet? No, 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 not back at work yet. But, um, you know, I think people think once um, you finish your, your medicine, I suppose, for want of a better word, with cancer, that, oh, you're a grandson, off you go. But yeah. the effects that all the treatment have on you is just, uh, it's, it's very hard to describe unless you're going through it. So... You know, just if people out there, if they do know somebody who's finished their treatment, don't come up and say, oh, your medicine is done. No, you're grand. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, and I'm, I'm much, much better. And hopefully, I, hopefully I will be back soon enough. And I've I've often spoken with people who've gone through that cancer journey, Mary, and I'm always saying to the, to, to the person, be kind to yourself. You'll yeah. know yourself when your body is ready. And, but just don't push it. Just you don't know, push it. That's so important. Yeah, because I think, you know, we can beat the world. We think ourselves. But sometimes I think for me, myself, um, the big thing was, was you know, 
slowing down a small bit. Um, take the help. If people offer you help, take it. Because we're not too inclined to, you know, take help from people. We're very stubborn in that in that aspect. But as you said, definitely, you have to listen to yourself when you need to slow down. Just slow down. It's not going to be forever. You know, you have cancer. You are not cancer. I keep saying that to people. Um, it, you know, I've seen other tragic things happen during my own service there. And to me, this is just something that that happened. It's, it's an illness where it's, I've seen far worse things. So, you know, we'll get over these things. Yeah. How did your family cope with it all, Mary? It's tough on them as well. There is a ripple effect when the cancer diagnosis comes into a household. Oh, definitely. I suppose, look, as I said, it was, it was a big shock. I have three children myself. Jamie, he's 25, Issa's 18, and my small boy, Oshin, is six. So, as I said, he was only five at the time. It's very hard to, to explain to a five-year-old, like, you know, but um, my partner, Tam, was just amazing. Um, and my children, my sister, Eileen, I oh, I couldn't say enough about her. She, the minute that she heard, she was awful upset, of course, and she was the first one down to me. And, you know, my family and friends were fantastic. I had people, you know, sending me cards and giving well wishes and people that I would have dealt with over the years, even during work that I wouldn't have seen in years and years, sent me such well wishes. And people were absolutely amazing. But my own family and my friends were absolutely brilliant. And you can't get through these things without them. And yes, it does affect them because they're so helpless. You know, you're the person getting the treatment, but they feel so helpless sometimes that they can't, you know, fix it for you. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, we, we forget about the, the families as well, the effect that it does have on them. OK, well, it's good to, good to know and hear that you're doing well. And, and listen, we've barely spoken about you, about your video. <laughs> uh, OK, tell me, the, the, the other 10 ladies, all dressed mm-hmm. in pink, I watched it yesterday. It just, it made me smile from start to finish. Ah, it's, it really is gorgeous uh, to watch. They're all breast cancer survivors are currently mm-hmm. going through treatment, is it? Yeah, so what we had in the video, we had, uh, we also had the Ballybunion Dippers. They're a group of ladies who go to run a Ballybunion. Called the Valley Bunyan Dippers, but <laughs> in that video we had there's um, actually ten of us who have had breast cancer um, and have had treatment. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Are still going through it. There's a lot of those ladies still going through treatment. Some of them I would have known since you know, you know, I was stationed in Ballybunion. 
uh, and Liz Dole and Shirley, both there's uh, one or two of the ladies that I actually met when I was having chemotherapy. And um, we striked up a friendship. So uh, when the 100K in 30 days started up, we set up a WhatsApp and I, you know, the girls were mad to do it as well. And then I came up with the notion. I said, look, we might do a little video because I had done one or two before because I'm a bit tapped. <laughs> and um, yeah, so they were saying, yeah, no problem. What will we do? So I wouldn't tell them. So I just told them when I landed on the beach that Wednesday evening in Ballybunion what we were doing and handed out the T-shirts. So they had the best crack. They just absolutely loved it. And we have a little group set up here now supporting each other every day. And one of the girls definitely actually is having radiotherapy. She started yesterday. So she's going to do the 100K in 30 days as well. Well done. Well well done. And who filmed it for you in the, the editing and all of that? Yeah, so Timmy Dowd, he's a local man here in Tralee and he's amazing for any charity work. He's the first one there. So Timmy Dowd actually filmed it and he put the whole thing together. Um, Kelleher's Garage in Tralee gave me the silver convertible car. I thought I was Elton John for the day. <laughs> go big or go home. We didn't have the same amount of money now as Elton John had to do, <laughs> but I think we did okay. You should you should try and get a copy of it, Elton John. I think he'd get a big. I think he'd I get a big kick out out of it. Yeah. And I know I I saw I watched it on YouTube. Is that is that the best way? Where can people access it? Yeah. So it's actually on YouTube. It's also on the Hundred K in Thirty Days uh, Facebook page. They have it up there as well. So if people want to log on and have a look at it and see what fun you can have if you do the Hundred K in Thirty Days. Um, you know, it's just, it was just to get it out there uh, what the hundred k in thirty days was. And if you look at those women there at the, the beach, there are people who are going through treatment, and who you know organisations like the Mary Keating Foundation do help. Um, so you know, it's very important I think for people to see that you know this is this is what the hundred k in thirty days is. This is what it does, and any donation, how big or small, can really help people. You never know who it's going to be. You know, I was fine, fit, and healthy. Yeah, and you know, I I got cancer. It can happen to anybody, and you know, please God, we'll find cures in the future. But as it stands, we just need to support people and be breast aware. I mean, you were very oh. quick to react when you discovered the lump. Yeah, you know, I suppose that's the thing. We're we're not kind of people who go to the doctors at the drop of a hat. Um, but I suppose uh, what I would say to people, if in doubt, check it out. Mm. You know, I'm glad I did. I'm so glad I did. OK, continue good health to you, Mary. And as I say, well done on this video. It really is uh, fantastic. And uh, look, uh, look after yourself and best wishes to all the other ladies who took part as well. Well, thank you so much and thanks for taking the time to speak to me. Thanks, Mary. Bye bye. Bye bye. That is Garda, Mary Gardner, uh, based out of Tralee, but one of our own originally from uh, Bishopstown. Do check out the video. It really is uh, very sweet. And if you can, sign up for the 100K in 30 days, all in aid of the Marie Keating Foundation. 0818 103 103. Somebody's just sent in a text. They just got a text. They've forwarded on the one of these. Your eFlow account will be disabled due to failure. Failure to accept the new update. To accept, please visit and you have to click on a link. Someone said, I presume this is another scam during the rounds. It is. And would you know, I got the identical text only yesterday. Court today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie. The June bank holiday weekend, which is upon us, for many people means it's time for this year's Inishannon Steam Rally. And by golly, the organisers certainly have the weather force. Joining me to preview this year's event is uh, Paul Keller and Paul is the PRO of the Inishannon Steam Rally. Good morning to you, Paul. Good morning, Patricia. Now, with this glorious weather, I'm assuming your first piece of advice is lots of sunscreen, folks. 
Yes, um, we're hoping <laughs> for great weather for the weekend. Um, hopefully uh, the community and all the surrounding areas will come out and support the event, which is our 26th year um, anniversary. This is the 26th year. Um, because previous it was the Upton rally, wasn't it? Yes. It, it, it moved on then from that. Oh. Upton ran for about 27 years. When I was a young kid, I remember going to Upton and seeing the playground and the steam engines, and it was a huge tradition for the area. So once that stopped in Upton, we continued on in the Shannon. So between the two events, it's over 50 yeah. years of history um, for the rally. Which is fantastic. It really is. How many exhibits are you expecting this year, Paul? Oh, uh, nearly a thousand. So we have nearly 50 steam engines. We have nearly 400 tractors. We have about 200 cars. Then we have the station injury engines, which we're trying to um, create a record for the number of more stationary engines this year. So nearly over a thousand vehicles and exhibitions across the um, field. And it's in a 40 acre field just outside in the Shannon. You can't miss it as you approach it with all the signs. So good, comfortable walking shoes because you do a lot of walking yes. at, at the at the Inishandan uh, Steam Rally for sure. And those exhibits, they come obviously from all, all over the country and do some even come from overseas? Yeah, we have a lot of visitors from the UK, great support from our neighbours, um, from Northern Ireland, um, from Carlow, Leash, Offaly, Wexford. Um, there's a great community between the rally folks and they all support each other. So Strad Valley's on later in the year. There's a few rallies in the UK, so they all support each other. And to be honest, this is one of the key events in Ireland. A lot of people like to travel here for the June weekend, make a long weekend of it and just enjoy the good weather. And these steam engines in particular are, they're, in, they're incredible uh, piece, uh, machines and the, the people that own them, they're almost like they're babies. They're in pristine condition. Oh, the magnificent piece of machines. Um, um, you have showman engines, ro- road locomotives, track, track, traction engines, road rollers. They're huge pieces of machinery from our history. And it's great to see them uh, walking in the in the main arena, doing different demonstrations. Just the raw power of the steam engines is something to look forward to over the weekend. Yeah, yeah it's, a, it's a sight to behold. But I'm just thinking the organisation, Paul, that goes into something like this. I mean, when do those exhibits start to roll into Inishannon? You'll see him now today and over the, and tomorrow, roll through Cork. You'll see him um, on different uh, vehicles transporting them. Um, you'll, they'll be all in by Saturday night um, in the field. So, you know, the gates open approximately 11 a.m. Sunday morning. So we're ready to go uh, early Sunday morning and we're hoping that everybody will come out and support it for the Irish Cancer Society and Marymount. So that the two beneficiaries of the STEAM and Vintage Rally. Do you rely on a huge amount of volunteer stewards for this to work? Oh, yes. We could not operate this without the support of the community, um, County Council, the Gardaí, all the volunteers, the committee. Um, this has been part of a t- tradition around Inishan and Nakavilla area where everybody comes out and supports this once a year. Yeah, and we've been talking earlier in the week about some festivals unfortunately couldn't go ahead because of high insurance costs. I, I, I take it your insurance premiums are huge, are they? 
Yeah, we, it's getting more difficult every year, but we have a great secretary in Mary Desmond. She organizes this way in advance and uh, we great great support from the insurance companies as well. But it is getting more difficult every year. And it's sad to see some of the smaller festivals go just because of yeah. insurance costs, isn't it? I mean, the government, something has to be done. We're going to lose the fabric of our society if we lose these small community events. They're huge for the community, huge for the countryside. Um, we're losing part of our tradition and our history. You'll see things at these festivals you wouldn't see normally in your in, in your normal life. So it, it's it's sad to lose it, but hopefully Inishannon can keep going. Um, that's our plan with huge history. Um, we've been very successful over the years, so all roads lead to Inishannon. Yeah. You're one of the bigger events, so in fairness, Paul, you're not, you're not one of yes. the smaller <laughs> ones that, that we, we were talking about. Have you, have you kept a running total on how much you've raised for the Irish Cancer Society uh, in Marymount over the years? Yeah, over, over 1.5 million to date and hopefully we'll contribute more this year if we're successful with the number of people coming through the gates on Sunday and Monday. So it's on both days, um, Sunday and Monday, gates open around 11am. And are each day equally as busy? Are, is the Sunday as busy as the Monday or is the Monday busier or is it just the same numbers seem to turn up both days? Um, Sunday is slightly busier, but um, yeah. some years both are the same. It really depends on the weather. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, you've been unlucky, but more than more, I think my memory is that it usually you always manage to get good weather. You've, it's yes. very few times that you've had bad weather, you've been washed out. We're very flexible and adaptable. We can we can work under all conditions for yeah. the weekends. So we've been through both. Yeah. Um, but hope it makes it a lot easier when it's sunshine. The vehicles can move around. Cars can get in and out to the car parks very quickly. Um, so it's well organised and it's easy to run in the sun, sunshine. Yeah. Somebody is asking. Obviously, they haven't travelled before. Is there adequate parking? There's always yes adequate parking. There's forty acres. Yeah. Forty acres of parking. Plenty of car spaces. Yeah. And there's stewards there. Will showing you where to go and we're and and it is very much Paul a day out for all the family you you, you know from the smallies right up to the grannies Oh yeah, there's something for everybody. I mean, if it's a family day out, there's the pets corner, there's the fun fair, there's the different exhibition stalls, um, cake and sales, uh, book stalls, um, the engine demonstration areas. There's a carpentry walking area. Um, as you go around the field, there's somebody for young and old. Yeah. Um, so it's a real family day out. Okay. And the opening times? Um, the gates open at 11. The opening ceremony um, is approximately 2 p.m. on the Sunday. Uh, come early and enjoy the event is the recommendation. Okay. And you always, music is almost, also, always part of the event on Sunday. It's uh, TJ and Anne and then Fimber Dennehy is there on uh, Monday. Listen, we wish you the best of luck with it. I know a huge amount of work goes into this on behalf of the organising committee. So to each and every one of you, uh, take a bow for organising this. But here's to raising lots and lots of money for the Irish Cancer Society and Marymount Hospice to very, very uh, worthwhile causes. Paul, thank you for taking time out to talk to us today. Thank you, Patricia. And thanks to C103 as well. Our pleasure. Our pleasure. Good morning to you. That is Paul Kelleher, who is the PRO 
of the Inishannon Steam Rally. They're in their 26th year, but it's over 50 years if you're looking back on Upton as well. I've been asked to wish the best of luck to the Cork Miners. Best of luck, boys. They're playing tonight in Tralee and especially to Dara Sheedy from Bantry Blues. His nana and granddad have been on. Very proud. I want to wish Dara and the rest of the team the best of luck. They're playing in Tralee tonight. We've been talking about raising the age, possibility of raising the age for cigarettes and tobacco products if you want to buy them from 18 to 21. Well, running alongside that is an argument about disposable vapes. And I heard yesterday that the Minister for of State with Responsibility for the Circular Economy, Oshin Smith, he's actually launching an eight-week consultation uh, period. He would like to see the ban on disposable uh, vapes. He wants them just gone uh, completely. Uh, He also wants the establishment of a deposit and return scheme and he also wants to ensure that producers take responsibility for the product for the entire life cycle up to and including disposable. But uh, disposable, if he has his way, he would have them banned uh, completely because he was explaining along with some of the environmental groups that disposable vapes, uh, they're the electronic uh, cigarettes that they're not rechargeable so they'll ask for the amount of puffs that they contain but then they're thrown away we've heard from Tidy Towns groups they're picking them up all over the place but the device itself contains electronic components which includes a lithium ion battery which requires safe disposal when they become waste but unlike other modern electronics which contain rare and expensive materials vapes can't be reused as part of the circular economy. So Oshin Smith is saying by asking people to tell the government what they think he reckons they'll be able to inform and strengthen the government's response to these disposable vaping products and he said it would help Ireland in their transition to the circular economy. He said he's committed to leading the development of, of environmental Response. He strongly supports the move by the health minister. The health minister wants to introduce new laws to restrict the sale and advertising of these vapes. But he wants an actual ban on them because they're not only getting people addicted to nicotine, but more worryingly, people that go for the disposable uh, vapes. Uh, there's a huge problem when it comes to the uh, environment. So anyway, we'll, we'll, if we get any more on when this eight week consultation period opens, uh, people might like to have their say. Oh eight one. 8103103. John Paul is taking your calls. You can text, you can WhatsApp to 086. 086- to 103 103. A lot of commentary coming in. Uh, we'll get to that. I'll get to some of your thoughts and comments uh, coming in. But the Philip Schofield story has uh, again exploded all over the media, particularly the media in the UK. And this is because he's now starting to give a series of interviews, including what's been described as a very emotional and frank interview with uh, BBC News. Uh, John O'Donovan has contacted us about Philip Schofield. Good afternoon to you John Afternoon Patricia now you, you? I'm very well you watched the, the interview that got released this morning with the BBC there's also an interview that he's done with Talk TV I know he's also spoken to the Sun newspaper so it looks like that Philip Schofield now is coming out I don't know if he's coming out to defend himself because he's saying he's lost everything and the affair with this younger, bo- younger boy man was his biggest and sorriest secret what did you make of his interview this morning? Well, just when you think uh, the circus has left home, uh, lo and behold, along comes another one. We've just been through Queen's funerals, coronations, and now here we are with Philip Schofield, like and Holly across the brand, the two of them, right? 
And this latest uh, interview he's done, like, I don't know who's advising him because somebody wanted to say to him, just stop talking, Patricia. Just stop. Don't say any more. He seems to be hellbent and giving interviews uh, every five seconds. And this latest one there, right, it's obviously like anyone would bring their head. Well, I don't want to say any harm comes to the man because he says, look, he mentioned suicide and stuff like that. I don't, want, I don't care what he's done. I don't want to see the man take his own life or anybody. But what annoyed me, he brought Caroline, the late, uh, Caroline Flack into, in, in, into the whole story. And I felt deeply uncomfortable with that because Caroline Flack, that was a different scenario completely, right? She had a trouble relationship, like, I mean, the media were camped outside the house and everything, and she was going to be up in an assault charge and everything, and the whole thing about the court and everything, the coverage of it. It got too much for the girls, so I think there's no comparison there. And I wish she hadn't brought her yeah, into the Yeah, and it was, in, it was in his opening statement that he said, was, uh, I, I now know see, how Carolyn Flack... This, this, to me, like, I mean, it's obviously the nose in your face that he has implied a company, like, I mean, let's be honest, to get him ready for these interviews, right? He's choreographed to the last, right? I mean, he's prepared to the last. You could see there, the, the opening section of it there, the long pauses, like the size and everything, but for reflection and sorrow and, you know, the, the body language and everything. Like, he's been coached to the last. I mean, all these people are like, I mean, because when you're involved in something as traumatic as this guy is, right, you can't go just walk into the studio and sit down because you could seriously incriminate yourself even more. No, what he's doing, like, he's obviously, the man is a very, this idea, uh, Patricia, that he's lost everything. I'm sorry, but there's no comparison with the, the, the family that were put out on the road today because they were evicted for their home or something like that. This man is a multi-millionaire. Yeah. Holly mm. Willoughby is a multi-millionaire. Okay, he, right? he may not have a TV career, but I mean, surely he's more than his TV, you would like to think he's more than his TV career. I mean, all he's lost is his TV career at the end of the yeah, day. Exactly, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, yeah. like, if he never walked again, like, I mean, it's like he's never going to worry, have to worry about a mortgage or money or anything, right? Yeah. No, Holly Willoughby, on the other side, is saying nothing. And it's obviously she's pretty... Like, forever Holly said that Philip Schofield was her best friend. No, I have a lot of friends, and I call them the, my, some of them my best friends. And what I don't... Some of the stuff that they've done over the years, I didn't agree with if they got themselves into trouble with the law. But the one thing I'm not going to do, I would condemn their behaviour, but I certainly wouldn't abandon them because they made a mistake. And if I eulogised them up and down the avenue and said they were my best friend, I would like she's not she's gone with not going to come with the nastiest roar of Philip Schofield. I, I don't hear anything about Holly saying I feel sorry for my best friend. There's none of that. It's all about the Holly brand. No, it's quite yeah, and I think that that's that, that's a good point because what what you're saying about if it was one of your friends, you can love the sinner without loving the sin. But well, you can you can thing. you can support somebody, yeah. But is it all about Brand Holly? I mean, she's back on air on Monday. I, I mean, I I wonder is the whole this morning the the, the show is the brand now toxic? Well, I I I, can't, I don't know how the how the brand and how the program yeah, is going I, to recover. I think, I think the best thing they do could do like I mean, I think they're just testing the waters, bringing her back, and I don't think they should be bringing her back in so soon because the minute the people see her next Tuesday morning, they're going to associate with the brand of Holly and Philip again. I think the whole thing is toxic at this stage. I think it should be scrapped, come up with a new programme, a new name, right? And new presenters like Dermot O'Leary, he's Irish, and Alison Hammond, they're very good. I mean, or if they want to get other people again, 
know, and I just launch a new programme. OK, yeah, but yeah. I, I'm, I'm glad you've I, I felt the very same. I watched the um, myself and John Paul watched the the video, the the interview this morning and both of us felt the same way about him mentioning uh, Caroline Flack and who I particularly yeah. felt sorry for is Caroline Flack's family. They well, don't, they you, don't I, deserve I, that. I'll finish on this. Like, I mean, you see, this is the problem. Like, I mean, people will be desperate to, to become famous, Patricia, right? But if you go right back even to old Hollywood, like Marilyn Monroe, Marilyn Monroe would be better off if she was working down the local uh, fruit store or whatever, like, I mean, a general store. She would have lived to be a very old woman and had kids in the whole lot. But there's a huge price to be paid for fame. And you can see it now with the likes of Philip Schofield. His life has been torn apart now. There is a price to be paid for them. Sometimes it's not worth it. Yeah, but he should just sell up and move out, move away from the UK and just, you know, live out his retirement Well, I'd say he's going to go down the road as a gas's career, just, just the same as Michael Barrymore. Michael Barrymore done an interview there with Chris Morgan. Again, was coached to the high heavens again. All the crying that went down and everything, but it didn't work like I mean, He never yeah, got a job yeah. after. And I think Schofield will go the same road. Yeah, people don't forget. All right, listen, have a nice weekend, John. Thank and, you, you and Thanks, thanks uh, for talking to us, uh, John O'Donovan, on the Philip Schofield story. 0818... 103 103. Somebody says, uh, let me look at some of your texts uh, coming in to us. Uh, hi, Patricia. On the Philip Schofield, Caroline Flack comparison, um, the, it, it shouldn't have been a comparison. The Caroline Flack was domestic violence. She had a relationship when she was 31 with a 17-year-old boy. The public were uncomfortable with that. Nobody wants suicidal thoughts, but people also need to face consequences for their action. The public tend to be... The public tend not to like when they hear adults having sex uh, with uh, teenagers. And someone else said, isn't first world problems for Philip Schofield? Yeah, absolutely, because he's just, all he's done is lost his career. He has a lot of money behind him. And thank you to Massey, who said, I quickly Googled Philip Schofield for you there and his financial worth. It mentioned as of this morning, he's worth about 10 million uh, euro. And that's probably 10 million pounds. So he's worth a, a lot of money. Thank you for that. 0818 103 103. Now, just on a couple of other issues coming in. Sean in Clannacilty says, Hi Patricia, I heard you mention earlier some a listener had commented about Long Strand and the fact that there was no toilets. Yeah, it was Eileen in Clannacilty. She actually met some French tourists who were having a wonderful time in West Cork but mentioned that they were in Long Strand got short taken and couldn't believe that there wasn't any toilets available. Sean says I'm a local to that area and a perfect block of toilets were there until about 10 years ago when the ta- council got the brainwave to lock them up permanently. Seemingly Irish Water now used the building for a mains water treatment um, all new walks in the forest and the beach are laid out by Quilta and the council and yet there's no basic human right in the, in the whole area there isn't a public toilet. Peter at the Fish Basket, which can I say, fantastic restaurant, never refuses to use his facilities, but that's unfair on him. It's a health and safety issue, to be honest, without a basic human right. The dunes, according to Sean in Glanakilty in Longstrand, are littered with toilet roll and human waste. Oh, goodness, what a disgrace. Our beaches are a pride and joy. It's an embarrassment to tell visitors that there are not any public uh, toilets enjoying your show. It's from Sean in Clannacilty. Yeah, that's just absolutely hideous for sure. 0818 uh, 103 103. What's this one on uh, smoking? When I was young, when I was growing up, says this texter, at the age of 21, you got the key of the door and then you were able to buy whatever you wanted to get. As a person, for, for the people who 
who are saying ban cigarettes, I think that's a load of rubbish. People out there particularly those that are living on their own, a cigarette may be their only uh, company. It's all very easy to say, give it up. But if you're living with somebody who doesn't smoke, then they might be a support. But if you're living on your own, people take comfort from their cigarettes. Why can't the government leave people, get on with their own lives? They should be working instead on improving the homeless situation, says a listener, who I'm assuming is is a smoker uh, and is against anyone calling out cigarettes and how we should be banning them. On holidaying abroad and the cost of holidaying Ireland versus holidaying overseas, Dave was, who is in the city, said he was in West Virginia last week. There's a song about that, isn't it? He was in West Virginia last week. $60 a night for a B&B. He travelled around quite a bit when he was in the States. He managed to get a hotel in central Montreal for 400 Canadian dollars Wait for this, not for one night, for four nights uh, all in. Now, they were looking for more than 400 Canadian dollars, but he did a bit of bantering and bargaining with them and he got it down for 400 uh, dollars. He said he was thinking that if he was back at home trying to get a room for four nights in the centre of a city, he reckons it could have cost him double or triple uh, that. But I'm interested in that you bartered because... I, I don't think I don't know if anybody's ever bartered at a hotel here in Ireland. Oh eight one eight one oh three one oh three. Our lines are open. The C one oh three Cork Diary. With Cork County Council, where communities and businesses all across the county can get the support they need at corkcoco.ie. And remember there are a number of uh, towns and villages entered into the Cork County Council anti litter campaign. The judging is going on at the moment, so please keep your areas uh, clean uh, in order for those uh, particular towns and villages to get good points in the competition. Tickets are now on sale at Thornhills Pharmacy and Kildallery Community Office for the Kildallery National School Musical. That's going to be held on the 15th to the 17th of June and tickets are priced at €10. Entries are now being taken for the exhibition in the park on behalf of Canturk Arts Festival. Send your image to photoscanturkarts at gmail.com. Closing date for entries is the 23rd of June. The photography display then will be in the park during the months of July and August. And please, when you're entering, only one image per person. Mallow Grow Community Mental Health. They're hosting their annual street collection throughout Mallow today. Your support will be gratefully appreciated and more information on grow.ie. Bingo is on in Mallow GAA Complex tonight at 8.15. The jackpot €4,600 in 45 calls or less. Lucky number game, €640. All funds raised from the bingo goes directly into the running of the Mallow GAA Club and the teams for the year. Court today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group for motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. CMIG.ie. June Bank Holiday weekend is upon us and the weather this week has been glorious. So to tell us what the weekend ahead will be like and how long this current warm spell might last. I'm joined by the wonderful Alan O'Reilly of Carlo Weather. Good morning or good afternoon to you Alan. Good afternoon Patricia. Uh, You're very welcome to the programme. Now can we plan the barbecue for any day of this coming weekend do you think? Absolutely it's that's the good news. The weather forecast is pretty much stuck and repeat at the moment. Um, There might be a little bit of cloud that's about as bad as it'll get. You might see a few clouds appearing but it's going to be warm and sunny. 
Um, now it will vary a little bit. That east to southeast wind will change the temperatures when you get near the coast. So, for example, yesterday I was looking, Roaches Point was 15 degrees, while Mallow and Fermoy were 23 degrees. So, if it's the heat you want, then head inland. But um, certainly, still going to be very, very nice right across the county. What kind of temperatures are we looking at? You're looking at pretty much similar again, so getting up to 22 degrees, maybe even 23 degrees inland, but um, you know, widely 21, 22 degrees. The wind, as I said, the closer you get to the to the coast, will take a little bit off that, dropping back to 16, 17 degrees. And it is quite cool in the evenings and the mornings. So if you're if you're um, camping, which which I am actually heading to Sexton's in Cork there. Uh, for the weekend, I'll need my woolly jumper for the evenings, but um, lovely during the day and just, as I say, a little bit cooler in the evenings and the mornings. Sexton's Caravan Park. Have you been there before? I haven't actually. No, oh, really that's great. The first it time it is. Down. Tell them all we said hi. They're a great bunch down there. Uh, they'll certainly look after you for sure. Um, and this is this hot weather? Is it nationwide? It is. It's right across the country. The only thing is that easterly wind is really having an impact on the East Coast. So all of those uh, people in Dublin are uh, sending me messages giving out about the cool breeze because it really on the East Coast, especially it's it's much, much cooler as in, you know, 13, 14 degrees. Uh, and should God, should God help us. They, our hearts are broken for them. <laughs> They're not getting much sympathy, all right, Patricia. They can come to Cork. They can come to the real uh, capital. And did I spot rain in Spain? Yes, a lot of thunderstorms in Spain and actually Italy as well and southern France. So um, the, the high pressure is blocking all of that away from us, but it's unusually sent our weather um, to Spain and to Portugal and Italy. So there's a lot of Irish holidaymakers leaving the blue skies and the lovely weather and heading to thunderstorms. Now, it's not all of Spain and yeah. it is hit and miss, but there has been some really torrential downpours. And I've had a lot of anxious followers messaging me that have been looking forward to their sun holiday um, all year. And unfortunately, it's not what they had hoped for. Yeah, I had somebody heading last weekend over for a wedding. The wedding was on the Saturday and it bucketed down all day, which is it's, that's unusual. That doesn't uh, normally happen. No, it is unusual. Um, now, look, Spain needs every bit of rain it can get. It's had a very long drought, um, but the holidaymakers would have wanted it at a different time than when they're visiting. But no, it's not It's not usual weather, and especially not persistent. It's kind of, it's really going to persist again into next week. Um, so, yeah, it, that high pressure is certainly helping us, but not heading them. Not helping them. Now, that low pressure will try and push up towards us towards the end of next week. And some of the weather models show a risk of maybe a couple of showers at the end of next week or into the following weekend. But most of them have the high pressure winning out and holding the back and staying dry. So very little, if any, rainfall really for the next seven days and maybe even 10 days and beyond. OK, so next week when we start the Leaving Cert and Junior Cert, we're back to the old fashioned traditional you know, sunshine for the start of the exams. Yeah, the, the leaving cert weather. The, the 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 stats wouldn't really back up that a lot. You know, it's kind of more of a myth, but <laughs> um, it is it is very true on this this occasion. It it is certainly uh, going to be very very sunny for anyone in a in a hall doing exams. But yeah, look, it's a fine fine week of weather again, and and. The farmers have got the silage and even the air, air very early hay being made. Very unusual to see hay being dropped in May, but that's what's been happening. So it's going to continue right through up to Friday. A little bit of uncertainty beyond Friday, but I think it's probably a very good chance that it'll hold on for next weekend as well. And then we'll have we'll be, we'll be looking for rain then if it goes on too long because it always happens. 
Yeah, well, Medellin put out their, their monthly statement for May, actually, yesterday. It was the second warmest May on record, believe it or not. Mm. People telling me they had their heating on, but the average temperature was. But also much, much drier than normal, especially in the eastern half of the country. Um, rainfall amounts very low. So the soil moisture deficits are going to start causing problems for the farmer because the ground is drying out very quickly now. And a couple of good nights rain is what they need, but there's no sign of it. So we have we've reached absolute drought. We've had 17 days without rainfall here in Carlow. And in many parts, there's been very little rainfall really since um, the first half of May. So drought is going to become a problem if this continues. But um, look, all we can do is enjoy the weather yeah, as that's we it. have it and that, then take what comes. That's it. And actually, I obviously I follow you on social media. I saw you recently installed uh, solar panels on, on your house. These are the great mm. days, aren't they, for people who've installed solar panels? Oh, this is this is the best. This is as good as it gets. The long days of May with clear blue skies. I mean, I've been generating over 30 kilowatts, which is like 30 units of electricity and um, more than I can use. Even the electric car is, is getting filled on solar power. So it's it really is amazing at the moment. Obviously, it does vary from month to month. But if you have solar, then really the last week or so has been an absolute kind of bonus in terms of what the amount of electricity being generated. And of course, if you have a battery, then you can you can bank it, can't you? Yeah, exactly. You can store it. So I think like most days now with my battery, I've only been using less than one unit of electricity for Whoa. every day for the last week. So happy days. Free electricity. Happy uh, well, days. Pay for solar panels. But yeah, it's, it's, it is. It's great. And, you know, it's a very unusual because with the cost of living things, we hadn't used a tumble dryer and we can kind of save back as much electricity. Now we're running around trying to figure out what can we turn on to use electricity. <laughs> so it's a bit of a shift. <laughs> Listen, enjoy your weekend down in uh, Sexton's, Alan. It's always a pleasure. We'll speak again. But thank you for that and thanks for joining us. Thanks, Richard. Take care. Uh, good morning to you. Good afternoon. I always get the afternoon in the morning once we hit midday. That's Alan O'Reilly, the wonderful Alan O'Reilly of uh, Carlo Weather and certainly looking like the weather forecast is going to be good across next week as well. Enjoy. 0818103103. Best of luck to everybody taking part in Eilish Collins Memorial Walk. That's on this coming Sunday, the 4th of June. It'll start at the Skibbereen Eagle Trigumna at 3 o'clock. It's a coastal walk and this, of course, is, we spoke about this a uh, number of weeks ago. This is the 10th anniversary of Eilish's passing. Uh, bless her heart. She was just 21 when she died from cancer 10 years ago. So all money raised from her memorial walk this Sunday will go to Marymount and to uh, Ark House. So uh, best of luck to everybody taking part and getting involved there. I want to give a quick mention to something that came in earlier. Didn't get a chance to uh, talk about this. This was somebody said, Hi Patricia. I saw a headline on one of the papers uh, this morning and it suggested housing refugees in nursing homes. I thought it must be an April Fool's Day joke. I'm sure there are plenty of elderly people trying to get into nursing homes already. Also, we've got the HSE. They could use any vacant beds to get patients out of hospital and then free up the acute beds. I'm not being racist here, but I did happen to see at a refugee centre in Killarney of a stabbing incident when they had over 20 different nationalities all being housed under the the one roof. When you do that, there's bound to be disagreements. And I don't think I would want my mother in a nursing home with refugees also living there. Okay, I tell you what you're talking about. It isn't, there isn't a plan to 
allow refugees to stay in nursing homes where there are nursing home residents. What's happening is the government is lifting the ban on private nursing homes becoming refugee centres. This is once they ceased being a nursing home. But if operators want to convert their nursing home into a refugee centre, they're going to have to wait two years. It's the Minister for Older People, uh, Mary Buckler. Last year, she introduced a ban because there was fears that a number of nursing homes were, were closing down and literally they were closing down and over almost over a weekend, they were then converting the property straight into accommodation for refugees. At the time, it was those uh, fleeing the war. And there was a fear that more private operators would do the same thing, seeing it as a much more lucrative way of making money rather than caring for old, older people. So there was a ban put on that, that if a nursing home closed, they couldn't then reopen as a refugee centre. So the minister has reviewed that moratorium in recent years and it's now been agreed that a former nursing home can be used to house refugees. However, there are rules in place. The operators will first have to contact HICWA. They've got to give six months notice of their decision to close. Then they have to undergo a further 18 months, what they're calling a cooling off period. And that is obviously to give residents and staff time to make alternative arrangements. So if a nursing home decides today that they want to close and would prefer to run as an asylum centre or refugee centre, it would be two years from now before they would be allowed to do it. Now, a significant number of nursing homes have already told HICWA of their intentions to close over the last uh, two years. And that's that not that is not necessarily anything to do with asylum seekers. That's an issue we've addressed under fair deal. They feel that they're not getting a fair deal. They're not getting enough money. And we're unfortunately seeing nursing homes uh, close. So in a letter sent to the Integration Minister, Rodrigo Gorman, this week, Minister Butler said 18 nursing homes gave notice to close last year. And there's another four told HICWA of their intentions to stop operating. Now, under the previous rule by Mary Butler, they couldn't have opened. So suddenly now you've got nursing homes lying empty. So I suppose with everything going on, with the problem that we have trying to accommodate asylum seekers, I suppose every available property is going to be considered. So now they're going to go back and consider using some of these closed uh, nursing homes. Minister Butler had said at the time that the ban introduced last November was always envisaged to be a temporary solution and her officials have now examined it and they're addressing the challenges posed by the Refugee uh, Council. She said the 18 month cooling off a period she felt it was appropriate because remember when a nursing home decides to close those residents, that has their, been their home and some people have lived in nursing homes for many, many years. So suddenly their home uh, is gone. It's a huge, huge upheaval. We've already heard from some families who find it very, very difficult then to find another suitable nursing home to care for, you know, a loved mother or father or husband or uh, wife. So Roger Gorman, of course, has asked all of his colleagues in the cabinet to identify potential accommodation within their own portfolios. And that's to help with what has been seen as the biggest humanitarian crisis to hit Europe in decades. Uh, in this country, more than 83,000 Ukrainian refugees are currently being housed uh, in uh, Ireland. And According to the latest figures from the Department of Justice, about 88 Ukrainian refugees continue to arrive in Ireland every day. So there's still more coming. And then added to that, of course, we have over 13 and a half people who are coming here seeking asylum. And that's an increase of 186 percent on figures for 2019. So it looks like closed nursing homes that have been closed 
for some time and who were curtailed by that ban by the Minister for Older People, they will now be allowed to reopen and house refugees. You're listening to C103's Cork Today podcast. Phone and text lines are currently closed. And just very quickly, a text in when I was talking with Alan O'Reilly there of Carla Weather telling us about how fine the weather is going to be and looking like it's going to be another week of fine weather across next week. And then Alan is predicting we'll have a drought. Hi, Patricia, this is from Pat in Limerick. It makes me so mad to hear that after just two weeks of fine weather, we're going to be talking about a drought after at least 10 months of rain every year in this country. If you look to a country like Poland, it's or Portugal, sorry, it's the exact opposite. They have approximately 10 months of sunshine and then some rain with a population of 10 million people and millions more going over there on their holidays every year and the amount they use with all of the swimming pools etc. Why can't some of our so-called politicians go and find out from a country like Portugal how they manage to store water? Thanking you uh, Patricia. Uh, that's from Pat in Limerick. Yeah, we'll, have, we'll, be, we'll, we'll be all told to um, watch turn off the taps and there'll be a hosepipe ban and all of that uh, for sure. Thank you for your text to 0862 103 103. Let's talk movies with uh, Mark Malone. Uh, good afternoon, Mark. Yeah, I have the wrong. I've got it on. Good afternoon. Hi You're there. Very welcome. Okay. I'm going to do my bit. I'm going to stop sharing. Oh, don't so do there. that. Yeah. Oh, you have to. I'm <laughs> social responsibility. <laughs> or you could bathe together. <laughs> with whom? Your wife, obviously. <laughs> OK, taking a look at some movies where you went along to see The Little Mermaid and you also went along to see The Other Fellow. And here is a, a, a quick trailer from The Little Mermaid. I've been watching you for a long time now, Jerry. What you really wanted to be up there in the above world. Is that even possible? It's what I live for. Ah, The Little Mermaid. I was only talking about this during the week because my mother-in-law is currently in Australia on holidays and she went she went to see The Little Mermaid with um, her little granddaughter mm-hmm. and she hasn't been to the movies in years and I just thought, perfect movie because this is a movie for all the family. And did they enjoy it? Yeah, they loved it. Oh, they good stuff. It. And the little girl, she's Emily, is only four. Mm-hmm. Oh, just magical. And that's what we want to hear, exactly, yeah. I mean, there's been a lot of controversy about it, of course, and a lot of it had to do with the colour of the, the main actress uh, playing uh, the lead role, which is ridiculous. I mean, come on, it's, it's a mermaid, for crying out loud. What the hell, you know? And unfortunately, that seems to have kind of put a, a kyber on the um, success of it, or lack of it, in China, for example, which is a terrible, terrible shame. Do you know what I mean? It's not as if you need to be historically accurate here. It's a cartoon. It's based on the cartoon. And What, um, what are people saying, that the little mermaid Mermaid must be white. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, there's a there's a big section of idiots out there on social media that are really, really kind of pooping on uh, Disney, and they have done that for quite some time. And like, who cares? Do you know what I mean? And Ariel here is played by Halle Bailey, uh, who is absolutely terrific. She's fabulous in this film. She can sing, she can dance, she can act. I mean, she really, really is terrific, and it's probably, mind you, one of the best things in the film. Now, I've, I've, we we talked, I think, a couple of weeks ago when I uh, did Peter Pan and Wendy. Uh, I talked about. Uh, 
uh, how a lot of these live-action remakes I have absolutely no problem with, and I tend to be kind of really rather positive about them. Uh, you know what I mean? And uh, I, I, I liked uh, The Lion King. I liked Pinocchio. I think we mentioned that. And here is another one. Uh, part of the thing is that I come into, the, especially the ones that are based on kind of very, very famous and kind of well-loved cartoons, is that a lot of these cartoons came out in kind of the 80s and 90s when I wasn't watching these because I was, I was a grown single man. So, yeah. you know, these are not movies that I necessarily kind of watch. So they didn't really kind of mean the same to me as when I was a kid growing up with films like Bandy or, or Lady in the Bambi, the Lady in the Trap. These were the kind of Disney films that were very important to me, of course, uh, yeah. as a child. You know what I mean? So when I did watch them, I watched them with the little girl. You know what I mean? And, uh, and I kind of enjoyed them and, and, uh, and I thought they were fine. So when it comes to these uh, kind of live action remakes, I've no problems with them. So I have no negativity going into them at all whatsoever. So I, But of course, one of the things about uh, these movies is that one of the things that they complain about and criticize is that they compare it to the animated film, which I think is you, you shouldn't do that. You should kind of They're take... Com- two completely different things. Exactly. You should see the, these films on their merit. Now, it's not perfect, this film, but I enjoyed it. And when I left, I thought, yep, yeah, that was perfectly fine. And that's exactly, uh, you know, what it is. It has problems. And a lot of it has to do with the CGI. And it's amazing how Disney, sometimes their CGI is really poor. And I don't know, are they doing it on the cheap or what it is? But you expect, yeah. you know, with Disney to be, it, it, it all to be perfect. I mean, some of the characters, especially when they're underwater, they look kind of washed out and watery, funnily enough. Maybe it was something deliberate, but um, they've obviously CGI'd their faces because they're underwater. And there are scenes, for example, when if she popped her head out of the water, she's not in water, even though they did some tank work. And it does look very, very odd indeed. Uh, there are three extra songs which have been written uh, by Alan Menken and Lynn manuel Miranda. And when they do arrive, they're not really classic Disney songs. And they didn't write them that way, it seems to me. They're a bit kind of rocky. So when they do come, you do kind of, ooh, you do notice them. Now, they are good songs, by the way, so I'm not going to kind of criticise that. But it has made that the running time is much longer. I think okay. this is 52 minutes longer than the actual cartoon, which what some kids might find it difficult. And especially the Little Mermaid, as, as I say, my, my niece Emily is just four. They're very young to hold their attention that long. Exactly, yeah. And some of the scenes are, are very, very long. I mean, in the trailer there, you uh, heard the voice of Melissa McCarthy, who didn't know if she could sing when she was offered the job. And so she had her voice trained. And she oh. is, she can sing. Um, and when she's doing her big number, for example, that particular scene I thought was very, very long. And as I'm watching it, I'm thinking, you know, in this kind of TikTok world, are, are people going yeah. to have the patience to kind of watch it? Um, but um, um, but that was one of the very few occasions, I thought, when that didn't really, really quite work. I thought the relationship with all the characters uh, was, was terrific. I thought the songs were good I thought most of the film looks lovely apart from on occasions it's very dark uh, and I don't mean that kind of from an emotional uh, perspective I mean that it just looks it's dark, dark and it's difficult okay. to see yeah. and I saw a piece in one of the papers some time ago and, uh, about this and they said the reason why cinematographers do it is because they simply can because all these films are digitised now so they can turn down the colour or turn up the colour whichever the way they want so a lot of it is, is in darkness a lot of it is in shade and I don't know why that is and I think that's a bit of a shame but apart from that I think uh, there are times when there is a lot of Disney magic there I think uh, the performances are great the songs are pretty good and uh, in the end I'd certainly recommend it I thought it was pretty good Actually I'm just seeing online about the racism uh, it's just I just can't believe it it's a little kids uh, movie uh, but they were saying that they, the the IMDB where, where you get the ratings mm-hmm. they, they started to notice that there was something going on and they realised that racists were purposely giving it a one star review so it would lower the number so they've had to they've had to change the way they've put a rating mechanism they detected unusual voting activity on the on the title The Little Mermaid and to preserve the reliability of 
of a rating system an alternative weighting calculation has been applied that's shameful oh it's, it's, it's absolutely ridiculous it's and, and some of them are using these very very strange kind of arguments I think it was Hans Christian Andersen and cartoon. she's beautiful in it. I, exactly beautiful. and they were saying well you know if it's if it's a if it's a, is a Danish character um, yeah. so therefore what, how could she possibly be, be black I mean that makes absolutely no sense whatsoever this is a, a load of all nonsense and this is what it's I mean it's a mermaid how many people have seen a real life mermaid lads get a life <laughs> and this is what I mean about there is a there is a, a section of the world population out there who are completely negative towards uh, these kind of films and are using their prejudices you know to, to, to criticise the film and I, ju- I just found that offensive particularly when it's it's a movie and particularly little girls and boys but predominantly little girls who will fall in love with Ariel exactly. when they see this OK so bizarre. so mark the Little Mermaid out of 10 I'll give it 7 7 out of 10 OK and well worth the watch OK the other fellow Yes, um, this is. <laughs> I was talking to Martina some time ago, and she said, "You're never two documentaries, Mark." And I said, "Well, I tend to do kind of movies. Do you know what I mean?" Yeah. She said, "Well, documentaries go into the cinema. Do you know what I mean?" Yeah, they do. Uh, this didn't make it to Irish cinemas, but it was. It did get a, an American cinema release uh, for a while. Uh, the other fellow that that's a, a Bond reference, and. Um, I knew it straight away because if I don't know if you ever saw On Her Majesty's Secret Service with George Lazenby he took over from um, uh, Sean Connery and yeah. uh, at the start of the film uh, one of his opening lines uh, he tries to kind of woo Diana Rigg who kind of rejects his advances and she kind of drives off and he kind of breaks the fourth wall and he goes well that never happened to the other fellow alright uh, oh, okay and that's yeah. what it's referencing the, what this documentary is about it's about people called James Bond. Okay. And so it interviews a great deal of people, all with the name James Bond, from all over the world, of all different colours, races and creeds, and about the positives and the negatives about having a very, very famous name. And I went to school with somebody whose brother was James Bond, now that I think really? about it. Really? Yeah, I did, oh, yeah. Wow. Tamil, yeah. And it would be interesting if, you know, to have a chat with him and to, to see, you know, how he has dealt with that. Because, I mean, the reality is it, it sounds as if it's kind of really, really a lot of fun, but there are negatives about it as mm. well. For example, one of the African-American um, interviewers, for example, um, he said that he got stopped by the police late one night. What's and they name? And they had guns pulled on him and they said, what's your name? And he said, James my name is James Bond. Bond. They did not react very positively. I'm sure it would be the same. If you're driving along the Mallow Road and the, the guards stop you and ask for your name, they'll think that you're, you know, you're taking the but even if when you're ringing up, if you're booking a restaurant or making a, a hotel reservation, what's your name, James Bond? You, you, my instant reaction would be, oh, yeah, pull the other one. You, yeah. you know, it's like saying I'm Mickey Mouse. Exactly. Yeah. People aren't really going to take you seriously. <laughs> and uh, as one of them pointed out as well, you know, one of the, the negatives is that people just tell the same jokes once they find out your name is James Bond. So they're, const- so they're constantly saying, uh, you know, are you shaking, not stirred? <laughs> oh. and, and I know this because there's a little bit of a tangent here. I hope you don't mind me saying this, but uh, about 20 years ago I was at uh, I was in England and I went to a dinner party and a guy turned up in an Aston Martin and I was having a chat with him and uh, he said do you want to come out and sit in the car yeah. and I said yeah I'd love to come out and sit in the car so I sit in the car and what's the first thing I do I look at the gear lever and I go uh, is that the ejector seat uh. and he turned and he looked at me and he said yeah, like that's the first time I've heard yeah, that yeah, joke, Margaret. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, you know, <laughs> so the positives with a lot of them is that they do get a lot of attention. You know, one of them, for example, ended up on uh, the David Letterman show oh. and he makes uh, money and uh, he earns a living from personal appearances because people say we've got James Bond coming today yeah. and then he walks in the door and as well. And he is James you know Bond. I mean? Yeah, so it is kind of fascinating and it is very interesting. Uh, and I think Ian Fleming, he had a book uh, when he was in um, Jamaica and he was trying to figure out what he was going to call his character in his, his first book, Dr. No, and he looked down and he had a book and it said uh, the Jamaican uh, Book of Birds by 
James Bond, Bond. Yeah. and he decided to I use that, that name. Yeah. Uh, mind you, James before. Bond in reality did write to him at some stage and said, I'm not too keen on you using my <laughs> name. And Ian Fleming says, well, I'll tell you what, in the future, you can use my name for whatever ah. thing you wish. But, um, so the thing is, is that I don't. I think this would have worked better as maybe a twenty-minute kind of short. How uh, long you know, is it? YouTube. It's oh, it's well over an hour. It's about an hour and twenty minutes. Okay. And uh, so uh, after a while, after hearing the same stories, it's kind of difficult, uh, you know, to kind of keep your attention. But other than that, you don't need to be a Bond fan. It's a human story, and it's an interesting story, and I'd still recommend Mark it. Market out of ten. I give that seven to seven out of ten, and it's called the other fella. Have a lovely bank holiday weekend, and we'll chat next Friday. By the way, we ran an Insta poll while we were on air this morning asking people should the legal age to buy tobacco should it increase to 21 which is what has been uh, suggested 83% of people who took part in their Insta poll said yes with 17 saying no that's where I leave you for today and for this week my thanks to John Paul McNamara for producing Nick Richards with you for the afternoon good luck to everybody in the Rod Stewart draw talk to you next week Court today on C103 with Corrigan Insurance's McCroom now part of McCarthy Insurance Group they don't just talk the talk they walk the walk cmig.ie Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc.